Awesome. I, I really do feel like God's got an agenda today. I, uh, Teb's word that he felt aligns with what, I'm, what I'm, I feel to preach on. And I, I do believe that, it's, that, that God wants to say something to us. Um, we try not work these things out. We try and uh, be as obedient to the Holy Spirit. And uh, God seems to just, as he always does, highlight certain things and highlight the importance of certain things. So uh, we're going we're gonna to jump off and uh, pick up uh, on, a very similar, on a very similar track. That's what, what Tebs was encouraging us with. But isn't it great to be part of a church that starts sites and still believes in church planting in Johannesburg? I think it's awesome that uh, Joe and Kathy are launching off into a church plant. We're not just about starting sites and uh, you know, growing Cornerstone's name. No, it's about the king and his kingdom. And another opportunity uh, to do that is by church planting. And it's a privilege to be part of a church that sends them out. Even though it's a suburb that's probably close to many of us and we've driven past and driven through it and you thought, well, why don't you just do another site? No, because God has spoken to them to plant a church. So we want to get behind that. We want to send them and celebrate everything that God's got for them. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. Uh, I, I'm really, really am excited to see them go. Not because I don't like them. I love them. But uh, they are being obedient to God. Awesome. So I'm going to use two scriptures as sort of the tracks uh, that we're going to set um, this train on. If you want to look at this meeting as a train. And I want to use them to sort of guide and lead uh, everything that I'm going to be speaking about. And the first one is in Matthew 4 verse 19. And it says this. And he said to them, Jesus speaking to these men that he was calling. He says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. It's quite a, a clear scripture. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples before they become his disciples saying, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now, uh, a couple weeks back, uh, we've been looking at this issue of discipling and becoming a disciple. And then the next one is Luke 24. And it says this, it says, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for, uh, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Then it says this, you are witnesses of these things. So we need to witness of what Jesus has done. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power on high. Two very significant scriptures. The one is in the beginning of Matthew when Jesus calls the disciples. The next is the, in the end of Luke where Jesus commissions the disciples. Now, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of what's to come. We're going to be looking at uh, Jesus and the centrality of Jesus uh, for a couple of weeks leading up to Easter. But after Easter, we're going to be launching, up, launching off into a series on the book of Acts. Now, if you've read the book of Acts, Acts is a commissioning book. Acts is a book that, I don't know about you, but I read it and I'm like, God, I want to live out one of those pages in that book. Just one aspect of Acts, there's this commissioning, this taking the gospel. If you, if you know the book of Acts, in the beginning of the book of Acts, it says, they received power when the Spirit came upon them and to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So the very thing that Jesus was speaking about happened. And then the church starts. So there's, this, there's these two things I want to focus on is discipling, becoming a disciple, and commissioning. 
of living for Christ, becoming more like Christ, representing the gospel. In Ephesians, it says uh, that we do not become content, but rather keep a hunger and thirst for God. That is an important thing of how we need to live our lives. We live our lives in these two tensions. We live our lives with the one tension of God called us to become a disciple. We want to become a disciple, but he's also commissioned us to live. And, and, and those two things should impact the way we do things because we've been being discipled into Christ. And because of the discipling, we want to live for Christ and represent him. So there's this urge from Paul to say, don't be content in your Christianity. Don't just sit back and spectate. Rather hunger and thirst for more of God. So the question I want to ask you is, do you desire to know God above everything? Now the short answer is yes, of course. We're in church, that's the right thing to say. Why wouldn't we say that? We all agree with that. But where does that desire lead to? What may that desire require you to do? It might be plant a church in Kelowna. It might be to do something. It might be to, to forgive. It might be to love. It might be a whole bunch of different things to different people. But I want to unpack this because I honestly believe in, in, in the safe place, in the, in the quiet of this auditorium, in, in, while we are stirred with this, we can say, yes, I do desire to do everything. I, I desire to know God above everything. But once that everything is challenged, then Christianity becomes a little bit more tough. Paul declares his desire to know God above everything when he says this in Philippians 3, verse 7 to 8. It says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let's take it back. The disciples gave up everything to know Jesus. So they could, it wasn't like this terms and conditions. Well, if you follow me, you will get a house, you'll get a car, uh, you'll get a better fishing boat, you'll get a better this, you'll get a better that. No, it was, are you prepared to journey with me as I make you into a fisher of men? Are you prepared to be, be, be uh, discipled into Christ so you can become more like Christ? And then there's this, there's this, yes, God, I want to do everything. There's this commissioning. There's this, we are going on a journey. We want to become more like Christ. We want to be used by God more and more. But is that where our worth is found? No, our worth is found in knowing Christ more and more. And because we know him, we can do so much for him. So that's the tension we live, us, live with. It's the desire that has to surpass everything, to know God and to live for God above everything else. There's a, a, a man who has been with us called Henny Cater, and, it's, and he, he said this, he said, God does not reveal himself to the casual seeker. Sure. How much time do I spend casually seeking God? I feel like God's highlighting some things today to say, let us... Let us become more than just casual seekers. Let us know what it means to become a follower of Christ and know what it means to love Christ and everything about him so we can live for him and be commissioned by him. 
So our focus on discipleship is not a focus on just becoming a disciple so we can tick that box. No, the focus on discipleship was to realign our lives to say, are we constantly pursuing Jesus so we became, become more like him? That's what, we're not discipled into Cornerstone. We're not discipled into Bedford View and what we do. Yeah, no, we're discipled into Christ. Everything we do is about Christ. Life groups are about knowing Jesus more. Everything about being commissioned, everything about going, everything about the book of Acts is because we know Jesus, something in our lives wants to change to make him known. Do we see that? Are we happy with that? I know you've got masks on, amen, a, a, a fist pump, anything would be good. But uh, even just don't look like you're so confused. But uh, there's, these, there's these tensions we need to live with and we need to realign and say, is Christ in the sense of everything? Because we can't be motivated by because the elders said so or because Cornerstone says so or because that's what Christians do. No, it's because of Christ. So what does our discipling and our commissioning produce? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 3 is such an amazing scripture. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Now you might say to me, Craig, why are you reading that now? Like, that's only reserved for weddings. You only read that at a wedding. That's when you read 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's there. The wedding scripture is one. No, this is a, 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 a picture of how we should live. This is, I, I, I've preached this before, um, that, that 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 is probably the most challenging passage of scripture for me. It says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So we can, we can do everything. We can act like we are saved. We can declare everything. But if we don't love God, love Jesus, and everything's not filtered through love, we're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I know we've grown up in church, or I have, with drums and electric guitars, and it's probably normal, but I'm sure there might be some older people who, it was very scandalous when drums, drums got introduced into church. It was like, they can't do that. It's offensive. It offends your ears. It offends everything. But thank God we've got some people who can make a joyful noise. But this, this, this picture that, that Paul wants us to understand through the scripture is you are offensive as a Christian if you do not have the love of Christ at the center of everything you do. He's trying to say you can have all the prophetic powers, you can understand all the mysteries, you can have all the knowledge, you can have all the faith, you can have everything, but if you have nothing, if, I mean if you, have, if you don't love, you are nothing. You can give away all you have uh, you, can, you can be this martyr that you lay your life down for Christ and do it like that. But if you do not love, you gain nothing. <coughs> so I don't know about you, but when I read this, I realize the centrality on Christ in everything we do is vital. Is absolutely vital. Everything we do is 
meaningless unless the love of Christ is at the center of what we do. Um, there's this picture I want to, I want to show you, and it's of the uh, old, the, the um, what's that thing? That's the tabernacle. And uh, it's, uh, you can leave it up, and uh, A.W. Tozer says this. He says, everything in the New Testament accords with the Old Testament picture. Ransom men need no longer pause in fear to enter the holies of holies. God wills that we should push into his presence and live our whole life there. This is to know, sorry, this is to be known to us in conscious experience. It is more than a doctrine to be held. It is a life to be enjoyed every moment of every day. You see, that was the, 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 the holy of holies. You can see it there. The, the, the high priest who had to go through the first curtain, he had to go do all these, these, uh, these ceremonial things and then go through the next door, do some more ceremonial things and go through the next door and then he was able to be in the holies of holies. There was this once a year, the high priest was able to get there and experience God. But what happened when Jesus died? It's not a trick question. The veil was torn. Both those doors, the first one, the second one, and the third one, they were removed. They were from top to bottom. They were torn, and the Spirit of God was released onto this earth. If you want to look at it like that. It was contained in the Old Testament to the holies of holies. And only once a year would someone be able to go in there. If he was holy, and if he was not, he had a bell on his, on his, on his ankle. And if that bell stopped ringing, you knew unlucky bud and you drag him out of the holies of holies and then we try and find another high priest but we have access to the holy of holies we have access to this life that is that is that is abundant that is full of life that is set on fire because of Jesus because he died and he set and he, he tore those curtains so we have access but many of us if we have to be honest with ourselves we're living maybe even outside the entrance. And we're just like, well, yeah, there it is. There's the Holy of Holies. I, I, I can't get there because of my sin. Well, I can't get there because of my insecurities. I can't get there because of anything. And God's saying, no, because of Jesus, we can enter in. Because of Jesus, we can enter in. Because of Jesus, we can enter in. Because of Jesus, that's why it was a significant thing that the curtain was torn. It's not just because they needed a full, you know, it's like writing an essay, you have to get 500 words. And they were like, oh, we've got to just full, let's just add in this little phrase about the curtain. No, it was a significant thing to say that the holy of holies, we all have access in because of Christ Jesus. Not because of good works, not because we're good Christians, not because we've done X, Y, and Z, because of Jesus. Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 23 puts it this way, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened, opened for us uh, through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have, have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from all evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast 
sorry, let us hold fast the, uh, the confession of our hope without wavering, for, we, for, for he who promised is faithful. The question I've got to ask is, do we believe in the confidence that this passage talks about? This passage talks about that if, if you go back to the, the, the picture, this passage talks about Jesus breaking through all those and setting the Holy Spirit free. And this, because of what he did, he washed away everything. Um, because of what he did on the cross, we can live this life. But do we believe it? Do we believe in the confidence of that Jesus, when he said, it is finished, it is finished. It wasn't, it is finished, but dot, dot, dot. No, Jesus said, it is finished. When Jesus said, it is finished, he's giving us everything to be discipled into Christ. He's giving us everything and empowering us to live for him. We can't live lives that are satisfied to be outside of the presence of God. We can't live lives that are satisfied to live a life without Jesus at the center. We can't live a life that is satisfied just to do the bare minimum, as to say, just to scrape into heaven. We have to, be, we have to become men and women, families, individuals, a church, a group of people, whatever part of that you fit into, who Jesus is at the center of everything we do, and because of him, we want to change. I don't know about you, but I'm there. I don't know about you, but when Jesus said, follow me, I will make you a fisher of men, I'm saying, God, help me become a fisher of men. Help me become more like you. When it says that I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you, we're saying, God, we don't want to move. We don't want to move in our own power, in our own understanding. We want to move in the empowering work of the Holy Spirit because that's what you promised. It's that Jesus said he's going up, but they're sending the promise of the Father. That everything about, about Christianity, about the Old Testament, all these pictures, all these promises is for us to know Jesus more and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so we can represent him to the best of our ability on earth. But too many of us try and do it in our own understanding or our own good works or our own this and God wants to say no centrality of Christ. Empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's all there for you. So you might ask, well, that's great. How do, how do I do this? And in Acts 13 verse 22, it says this about David. It says, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Don't you love that? This is, this is Paul writing in the book of Acts, or not Paul writing, um, the guy who wrote Luke writing about Paul. And Paul's busy explaining Christianity. He's busy, like from the very beginning, he starts and he, and he writes everything. And he gets to David. And, it's, and, and he says it's, it, it was said about David that he was able to become the king of Israel because, he was found, uh, because in David was a man of the God's own heart who was willing to do everything. Do you know what David did? 
we love David who killed Goliath. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He, he lied. He did so many things wrong. But what qualified him was a heart after God. What qualified him and what, 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 what got him to a place where, he could be, where God could use him was there was a desire to say, God, I want you above everything else. And it wasn't just, I want you above everything else. I'm going to try and do everything you ask me to do above everything else. It was when God asked him, and when he took his eyes off God, and when he took his eyes off God's plan for his life, that's when he got into trouble. And that's when he got started doing uh, the wrong things and started uh, uh, getting caught up in other things. But if we're wanting to be men and women who, who, uh, who want to fulfill everything that God's got for us, who want to keep Christ at the center and want to be commissioned by him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that Jesus even says, I only do what, the, what, I, say, what, I, what I hear the Father telling me to do. So Jesus is instructed by, the, by, by, by God the Father and then he says, sending the Holy Spirit to empower you, to remind you what, what, what I have taught you and help you walk into everything that I have instructed you. So it's like this, a lack of a better way of understanding it. You know what a turducken is? It's a, it's a duck, I mean, it's, it's a turkey that's got a duck stuffed inside. It's got a chicken inside of it. It's this amazing meal, apparently. Never had one. Please don't bring me one. I don't want one. But it's, it's this... It's this trifecta of meat that's amazing, apparently a Thanksgiving surprise. And I know this does not do justice, but it's like the Holy Spirit is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father. So if you know them, you, you get this amazing package. Like a Todakin is, I'm sure it's amazing. But God is even more amazing than a Todakin. If, if we are led by the Spirit, if we, are, if we know the Spirit... We should know Jesus. And the more we are led and, 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 and guided by the Holy Spirit, we should know more about Jesus. And because we know more about Jesus, and Jesus says, I only do what the Father says, you should know God more. So actually the whole Trinity revolves around Jesus, revolves around us walking in our Christianity, revolves around this, this, the promise of the Father to say, Jesus is coming to set you free, to remove the curtain so you can have life, that you can be forgiven. And then the Holy Spirit's there. So it's everything we talk about, everything that's been prophesied, actually, we can walk in. When we catch God's heart, when we know His love, when we know His mercy, when we know His grace, we know His desires. Do you know God's desires? When you know God, you know his heart and you know his desires and everything changes. So what changes? Our worship will increase. Now you say, great. We sang four songs, we're gonna sing five songs. We sang five, we're gonna sing six. No, when I say worship, it is a lifestyle. We have a lifestyle of saying, God, whatever I'm doing, I want it to worship you. Whatever occupation you called me to, is this worship to you? Is this, is this incense to you? Like Teb said, this, this, this perfume that was poured out, is, this a, is, this, is everything I'm doing in my life this great perfume to God? Or is there parts of my life that are like, yeah, I worship God when I come to church. No, God's saying everything. 
everything. When we know God and we fall in love with Him, when we know Jesus and we fall in love with Him, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and we are, are set on fire for Him and we want to do good works for Him and we want to live by, by, by the infilling of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit, our worship will increase. The next thing, our prayer, I forget what I said there, our prayer will increase. Why? Because we've got nothing better to do. No, I don't know about you, but the more time I spend with my wife and the more time I speak to her, I get to know her desires. I get to know what she likes. And even after 13 years, it's still a discovery. But it's the same with Christianity. The more time we spend communicating with God, the more we learn God's heart, the more we learn about Him, the more our heart becomes like His heart. And the more we start saying, God, it's not about me, it's about you. And I'm praying not because I have to check it off on a list. I'm praying because I want to know you more. I want to, I want to speak to you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. It's not just about do's and don'ts. It's not just about ticking religious boxes. It's about a relationship. The only way I get to know Greg and the only way I get to know him that he supports a not very good football team is by spending time with him. I wouldn't have known that just by looking at him because he looks like a wonderful person, but there are some flaws. But the only way we get to know God, the only way we get to have a relationship with Jesus, the only way we get to be empowered by the Holy Spirit is by praying. Then the next thing is our Christian living will increase. Now, I'm sure you must say Christian living. What does that mean? Actually, the way we love, the way we conduct ourselves, the, the 1 Corinthians 13 marriage scripture that you read out and you hope that you will fulfill that in your marriage, that becomes a reality. There's this amazing scripture in the end of Romans. Actually, all the scripture is amazing, but this one I like. In, in Romans 12, when uh, Paul he spends the whole of not, you know, Paul spends the whole of Romans speaking about the gospel, and at the very end, he, he, he sort of unpacks on because of the gospel, things should change. And there's this amazing verse that's there, and I, I, I don't have it right now, but um, go read it. And it's about honoring. I'm going to say this horrible word, honoring the government. And he even he even challenges the church. In Rome to say, now they had a, a, I'm sure you could say a lot of bad things about our governments and the world's governments and everyone's governments, but the Romans were horrible people. And he's saying, even the way you conduct yourself and you speak about your government, people should know you're different. Your Christianity should filter through everything. Now, if you like me, who's got a fallen uh, nature, I'm okay with Christianity. I'm okay with loving my neighbor because he's a nice guy. I'm okay with trying my best to try and do good. But there's certain things that the gospel hasn't quite penetrated. And often that's how we view authority and how we live out. But God's saying, no, the way we live as Christians, the gospel needs to impact all of that. So our response needs to be a desire to pursue God above everything. I don't feel like this is a moment where we gotta stand up and say, yes, we wanna do this, and we pray, and then it's all fine. I wish it was. 
But God wants all of us, no, not just one part of us. He wants all of us. He wants everything to pursue Him. When we're dealing with discipling, it's because it's about Jesus. It's about the infilling of the Holy Spirit so we can become more like Christ. It's about knowing the Father's heart. When, we, when we're speaking about commissioning and we look at the book of Acts and we look at the subject and Jesus leading up to Easter and all of that, it's always about knowing the Father's heart of love and mercy and redemption and all of that. It's knowing what Jesus has taught about living, about, about having faith, about all those things and then understanding that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is there so we can do those things. And that, I believe, is how we can change this world. Not by good acts, not by anything else, but making sure that God is in the center of everything we do. He's the motivation of why we get together and why we do everything. I hope you're okay with that. I wanna pray for us.